Welcome to the Bodily Transgressions in Fantasca Media podcast series. We hope you enjoy the series. If you have any questions or comments, we invite you to attend the Digital Symposium, which will take place on 12th November 2022 via Zoom. The event will be free, or drop us a line on our Discord server. Details are on the podcast information or can be found at fantasticajournals.com under CFP's events and news. That's Fantastica with a K. This podcast is part of Panel 8, Cannibalizing Femininity, which will take place at 6.50pm GMT time. This podcast is presented by Brianna Anderson, who is a Marion L. Britton Fellow at the Georgia Institute of Technology. She received her PhD in English from the University of Florida. Her research interests include archival studies, children's literature, comic studies, eco-horror, and youth-made artifacts. She has recently published in The Lion and the Unicorn. Her paper today is entitled, Consuming Capitalism, Bloody Activism, and Eco-Vampire in Dark Fang. Hello everyone, my name is Brianna Anderson, and the title of my paper for today is Consuming Capitalism, Bloody Activism, and the Eco-Vampire in Dark Fang. In the last 10 years, comics and graphic novels about nature and environmental issues have boomed in popularity. These narratives overwhelmingly center on one figure, the young, attractive, and always passionate environmental heroine. These female protagonists typically engage in positive, small-scale forms of environmental activism, like fixing local pollution or rescuing cute animals. The prominence of female eco-activists in recent comics reflects the real-life emergence of vocal girl advocates like Greta Thunberg and Mari Kopany. In the face of the global climate crisis and other environmental issues, these real and fictional heroines offer the tantalizing promise that empowered girls and women will band together to save the world through direct action, protests, and speeches. However, several recent horror comics counter these feel-good girl power narratives by portraying female protagonists who take part in darker and decidedly more violent forms of environmental activism. Miles Gunter and illustrator Kelsey Shannon's five-issue comic Dark Thing is one of the most gruesome texts to emerge from this trend. Published in 2017, the series centers on Vala, a young fisherwoman who gets unwillingly transformed into a vampire. After this violation, Vala retreats to the ocean until an oil spill destroys her underwater refuge. She returns to the surface and finds the 21st century Earth ravaged by industrialization and teetering on the verge of environmental collapse. Realizing that human-made climate change will soon wipe out her food supply, Vala attempts to single-handedly destroy the fossil fuel industry by slaying oil executives in a spectacularly gory murder spree. Dark Thing debuted at the tail end of the late 2000s and 2010s vampire boom. Many of these texts, like Stephanie Meyer's best-selling Twilight series and the Vampire Diaries television show, feature attractive vegetarian vampires who only consume animal blood. Combining environmental concerns with erotic allure, these narratives make social consciousness and faux-vegetarianism fun and sexy, but they very rarely touch on real environmental issues. As Sarah McFarlane Taylor speculates, much of the green vampire's appeal may lie in being the monster transformed. The energy-sucking, life-destroying, consumerist, and bloodlusting vampire reformed, if not redeemed. Dark Fang subverts this trend by retaining the environmental consciousness and the sex appeal, while also depicting a decidedly not-redeemed vampire who paradoxically preys on humans to help the environment. As a transgressive yet oddly sympathetic monster, Bella reflects larger anxieties about climate change and the inadequacy of current responses to environmental issues. She plays the role of the eco-vampire, an emerging horror archetype 
that Simon Bacon defines as an environmental warrior who simultaneously represents a dark mirror image of humanity's own vampiric characteristics, as well as actively tries to destroy or neutralize the forces of consumerist and technological progress. In the face of mounting anger and fears about the planet's future, eco-vampires like Vala spurn conventional and largely ineffective forms of environmental activism like protests and recycling campaigns, instead playing out violent and taboo fantasies of ecofeminist resistance and even radical ecoterrorism. Examining Dark Fang through ecocritical lenses, I argue that the horror comic uses the female eco-vampire to offer a scathing critique of capitalism, consumerism, and the gendered power structures that contribute to devastating environmental issues. The comic's first issue portrays Vala's transformation into a monstrous woman and immediately establishes her close relationship with the environment. A flashback scene shows Vala as a young human living in a fishing village by the sea. One night, Vala walks home alone carrying a simple fishing rod and a few fish. On the beach, she encounters an unnamed male vampire who snares her in a green and blue cloak that visually echoes the ocean's waves. The comic illustrates the male vampire as feral-looking and monstrous, with unruly green hair that resembles shrubbery and teal-colored skin that mirrors the blue color of the water. The visual parallels between the vampire's rugged appearance and the landscape imply that the monster has an innate connection with the environment, blurring the boundary between human and nature. Unlike Bala, though, the vampire does not only hunt small amounts of prey for sustenance. Instead, in an erotically charged panel, he first consumes Val's blood, grasping the terrified woman in his unnaturally long hands and penetrating her throat with sharp, animal-like fangs. In an unmistakable echo of Bram Stoker's Dracula, the vampire takes the newly transformed Vala back to his castle, where he forces her to serve him and his three sinister vampire brides. Scrubbing blood and entrails from the castle floor, Vala narrates, I was their slave destined to clean up after their blood feasts for all eternity, feeding on rats and the scraps of their kills. Despite his animal-like appearance, the male vampire's gluttonous behavior and exploitation of Vala as food, as slave labor, and as a sexual object serves as an implicit critique of human consumerism and greed. These historical scenes evoke the feudal past, indicating that present-day environmental crises continue a long tradition of gendered violence. Fittingly, Vala soon punishes the male vampire for abusing her, stabbing him with her wooden mop and decapitating his brides. The comic's environmentalist message grows even more apparent when Vala rejects the human world and takes refuge under the sea. She recounts, I befriended the ocean. It clothed me and fed me. I even made a friend. She was like me, always feeding, never stopping. She was the first best friend I ever had. The accompanying illustrations show Vala wearing a dress made from glowing, living jellyfish, eating a fish, and bonding with a great white shark. By describing herself as befriending the ocean, Vala indicates that she views herself as developing an equitable and mutually beneficial relationship with the ocean instead of simply extracting its resources for her well-being. Additionally, by showing the jellyfish voluntarily clothing the vampire and drawing parallels between Vala and her best friend the shark, the comic promotes ecofeminist views of nature by calling attention to the agency of non-human entities. As Alice Curry writes, ecofeminism sees the natural others not as an incorporated or assimilated self, but as an entity with its own subjective agency and intrinsic value. In other words, though Vala does drink the blood of fish, her monstrous ability to form close, empathetic relationships with marine life distinguishes her from the purely consumerist male vampire. 
These scenes invite readers to envision new, more equitable, though definitely fantastical and unrealistic, ways of coexisting with the environment. Eventually, though, an oil spill disrupts Vala's underwater paradise. As the vampire and her shark companion playfully battle a squid, a loud kaboom echoes under the water. The sound comes from an exploding oil platform, a familiar scenario that mirrors the widely publicized BP Deepwater Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010. The real-life environmental disaster killed untold numbers of marine creatures, most of which died out of sight of the media. Dark Fang confronts readers with a shocking snapshot of this violence by portraying black, poisonous clouds of oil that envelop vala, fish, sea turtles, and other fleeing marine creatures, with the oil soon totally filling the panels. Vala narrates, All at once, a darkness enveloped the waters. But this was not the darkness I knew. It did not belong in the ocean. It consumed everything in its path, including me. Only my immortal powers enable me to break free of its grasp. When Vala escapes from the oil, all sea creatures have vanished, presumably killed by the toxins. Only her dwelling jellyfish dress remains unharmed, which Vala attributes to the creature's consumption of small amounts of her vampire blood. Nearby, she finds her shark friend lying motionless on the ocean floor, gravely wounded by the oil. Gazing into the shark's tear-filled eye, Vala realizes she could no longer be true to her nature. There was only one thing I could do for my friend. The next panel shows a vivid red plume of blood curling up through the dark water as Vala kills the shark, ending the animal's suffering. The intermingling of blood, oil, organic life, and water in this scene highlights the strange interconnections between humans, environments, and substances. Stacia Lamo terms this enmeshment transcorporeality, or the material interchanges across human bodies, animal bodies, and the wider marine world. Most obviously, Vala's blood links her with the jellyfish dress, allowing the creatures to remain alive despite the toxic oil spill. In return, the jellyfish clothe her body and provide her with a source of light under the ocean, sharing a mutually beneficial relationship with no apparent power hierarchies. Additionally, the images of Vala and the shark covered in oil offer readers a vision of, as Lamo writes, a more potent marine transcorporeality that submerges the human within global networks of consumption, waste, and pollution, capturing the strange agencies of the ordinary stuff of our lives. By depicting the deadly intermeshing of oil with organic life beneath the ocean, the comic asks readers to consider the unpredictable and often out of sight consequences of the fossil fuel industries and global capitalism. After exiting human production networks, oil and synthetic materials like plastics continue to exert these strange agencies on the world, permeating ecosystems and the bodies of individual creatures like sharks. Significantly, the comic also repeatedly draws parallels between blood and oil, using the vampire narrative to offer a scathing critique of human dependency on fossil fuels. The plumes of blood that rise from the shark in this scene closely resemble the clouds of black oil that engulf the marine creatures during the spill. By visually equating blood and oil, the comic underscores the grim ecological consequences of man-made fossil fuel catastrophes like the Deepwater Horizon spill. Val's role as an eco-vampire also allows the comic to gesture at the vast temporal scales of environmental issues. The third issue begins with our heroine dreaming of a future Earth ravaged by climate change and mass extinction. In the opening panels, the hot sun boils away the water in the ocean, and flames consume an urban landscape, engulfing humans and vehicles. 
Soon, only Valor remains, a vampiric echo of the lone humans in H.G. Wells' The Time Machine and Mary Shelley's The Last Man. Alongside these disturbing images, Valor narrates, Mankind poisoned the earth. They ignored the problem, focusing on their distractions, their greed, their petty grievances, until it was all too late. As the earth slowly purged itself of humankind, I hoarded their blood, creating reservoirs underground, as much as I could take. And when that was gone, I hunted down the last remnants of organic life. Her nightmare concludes with an emaciated Vala attempting and failing to commit suicide after she has exhausted every single source of blood on earth. Due to her immortality and her supernatural ability to have visions, the vampire perceives climate change as a far-reaching crisis that will continue to unfold far into the future. Timothy Morton describes such phenomenon as hyperobjects, or things that are massively distributed in time and space relative to humans. He argues that the vast dimensions of hyperobjects means that they elude easy human comprehension, noting they involve profoundly different temporalities than the human-scale ones we are used to. By blending images of momentary human suffering with fantasies of boiling oceans and a totally lifeless planet, Dark Fang emphasizes the vast temporal distance between fleeting human actions, like filling up your car with gas, and the long-lasting consequences of climate change and fossil fuels, which will continue to negatively impact the Earth far beyond the lifespan of any individual human. As an immortal vampire, Vela operates outside conventional human timescales and fantasizes that she will eventually experience an apocalyptic future where all life has perished, unless she takes drastic action. Instead of accepting her dystopian fantasy as an unchangeable future, Vala takes action by using her vampiric powers to murder wealthy white male executives and politicians who have profited from the fossil fuel industry. Here, the narrative shifts to a bloody and, at times, darkly hilarious eco-horror revenge narrative. In the second issue, Vala seeks to avenge her marine companions by hunting down the CEO of the company that caused the oil spill. At the CEO's luxurious mansion, she discovers him swimming naked in a pool full of jello. The pool highlights the CEO's wasteful consumerism as he spends a fortune on disposable gelatin instead of helping the ocean ecosystem that his corporation has devastated. Interrupting this very odd pool party, Bella forces the CEO to give her a list of his business partners and then drowns him in the jello, vowing to give other members of the fossil fuel industry fates far worse than this gelatinous embrace. The issue's hilarious last panel shows the CEO choking to death on jello just as the sea creatures drowned in the crude oil during the spill. A similarly over-the-top murder occurs in issue 3, when Vala expands her vengeful mission to the American government. Dressed in a sexy white power suit, the vampire crashes the birthday party of Senator Austin, another wealthy white man who has profited from his fossil fuel dealings with the oil company CEO. She discovers that the senator has captured two endangered white lions, which, he tells her, he is going to kill with a rocket launcher while drinking a bottle of champagne. Vala declares that she will use the vampire's private airplane to return the lions to the man's vast property, where his fortune will support environmental preservation. By seizing Austin's wealth for the benefit of nature, Vala promotes forcibly confiscating the elite's wealth as a viable, and perhaps even necessary, strategy for conservation. The scene concludes 
with a close-up image of Val's bright lips as she wishes the man a happy birthday and then feeds him to the lions. The final illustration depicts the two big cats entirely drenched in the cinders of blood, their white fur stained a vivid red. Instead of slaying the lions for meaningless entertainment, Austin serves as their dinner, in a very literal case of eating the rich. Following the senator's graphic murder, the President of the United States delivers a live TV address about Vallis' killing spree. He informs watching American citizens, For the past few months, we've seen unprecedented terrorist attacks upon American soil. You've stopped filling up your cars and your trucks with gas for fear that you will be a victim of the next attack. I am here to tell you not to be afraid. Unless you work in the oil and gas industry, you are not at risk. Unable to conceive of Vallis' murder spree as an act of radical environmentalism, the president instead dismisses the death as organized terrorist attacks that seek to undermine our way of life. In a moment reminiscent of George Bush's post-9-11 message that Americans should go shopping, this fictional president urges the American people to continue consuming gas, prioritizing the economic health of the fossil fuel corporations over the safety of his country and the environment. However, Bella disproves the president's claim that only fossil fuel industry employees are in danger when she interrupts the live broadcast and, of course, violently decapitates him. A grid of 15 small panels shows a geyser of blood erupting from the stump of the man's neck as shocked, and in some cases delighted, viewers watch from surrounding panels. These extremely bloody, almost hilariously unrealistic deaths confront the audiences with the horrors of consumerism, environmental degradation, and political corruption, with the white male victims consistently appearing far more monstrous than the righteously murderous Vala. In the final issue, Vala attempts to partake in one last act of environmentalism. The series concludes with the American government hunting her down and launching a nuclear missile at her castle, a final act of cruelty from the men who have consistently sought to oppress her throughout the comic. Trapped in her castle, Vala uses her cell phone to access the chat room that she has been using to hypnotize gullible men into donating their money to her environmentalist endeavors. She reflects, If I can influence their minds to give me money, I can also make them fall in love with their earth the way they should. I will fall, but they will continue my efforts. Every day they will commit themselves to burning the poison out of the world. Instead of continuing to battle for the fossil fuel industry by herself, the vampire realizes that she can generate change through the mass mobilization of her online audience. Here, she pivots from vengeance and violence to the more positive emotion of love, encouraging her followers to adopt her eco-feminist care for the planet and work to eliminate the poison that has damaged both herself and the environment. However, Bella's phone battery dies before she can send her message. The comic ends somewhat confusingly with the missile blowing up the castle, seemingly killing Bella. In the final panels, the vampire walks across a lunar-like landscape that could be heaven or maybe the moon, as the voiceover text from a news broadcast announces the successful elimination of a radical terrorist cell responsible for the assassinations of numerous members of the U.S. Congress as well as high-ranking executives for a number of petrochemical corporations. Ultimately, Vala fails to achieve the environmental reform that she desires, ending the comic on a final note of despair and disappointment as the government and the fossil fuel industry apparently win. Unfortunately, Image Comics canceled Dark Thing after issue 5. 
However, the comic does effectively use the eco-horror genre and the eco-vampire trope to promote feminist views of nature. The comic fosters care and concern for the environment by repeatedly extending agency to non-human entities like the shark. Also, the emphasis on the transcorporeal enmeshment of humans with the environment challenges conventional views of humans as separate from and superior to nature. The comic also educates readers about environmental injustices by drawing attention to the ways that climate change disproportionately impact vulnerable people, organisms, and even, in this world, monsters. Most significantly, though, Dark Thing responds to the frightening inadequacy of traditional forms of environmental activism in the Anthropocene. As climate change continues to escalate unabated, and disasters like the Deepwater Horizon oil spill wreak havoc across vast spatial and temporal scales, it has become increasingly obvious that individual, small forms of environmental activism, like recycling, will never effectively address these enormous and systemic issues. In the face of this grim reality, Dark Thing indulges monstrous fantasies about avenging nature and inflicting violence on the capitalist and patriarchal power structures that harm the environment and women. Though the comic's ending ultimately gestures at the need for collective action instead of individual acts of eco-terrorism, the text also points to the need for more radical stories that show women as empowered environmental warriors who express the anger and fear for the future that many young people experience today. As humanity struggles to come to grips with its consumerist vampirism, monstrous women like Vala can work against capitalist ideologies and help us envision new, more transformative ways of relating to and defending the environment.